Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of May 12th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, and I'm joined today by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff for our weekly discussion that goes beyond the headlines that you see on our website and dives deeper into the news, results, and notable topics of dirt lane model racing. This podcast is a weekly feature from Dirt on Dirt, appearing every Wednesday morning on the website or in your favorite podcast app if you subscribe to the DOD podcast feed. I want to start today with a question for our managing editor, Todd Turner, who also happens to be the most knowledgeable among us about horse racing. Todd, which is worse, the horse that wins the Kentucky Derby fell in a drug test or the winner of a major dirt late model event getting busted for illegal tires? Ooh, uh, they, they both rank, uh, rank pretty low or, or high, I guess, in Kentucky. Uh, yeah, it's, it's no good. So this is two out of the last three Derby winners that have been disqualified. I mean, very unsatisfying. And um, yeah, it, it, it kind of seems uh, a, a akin to the tire testing on the, in, in the racing. And it's no fun to hear a week later, oh, by the way, somebody lost. It's just interesting to me how it's, uh, you know, the cheating in that way, I guess, or whatever, you know, issues with uh, who won and whatever is not just uh, uh, limited to dirt late model or dirt racing in general. Reading all that online about uh, the Kentucky Derby winner has been interesting uh, this week. Also on today's show, as usual, we have the rest of the editorial staff, senior writer Kevin Govac. Kevin, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, how, how about you, jo- uh, Joshua? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I, I guess I don't, I don't ever get to say anything about what I'm doing or what I've been up to. Yeah, I'm yeah throw that back right at you. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm good. I did. Uh, I was at a race this week. I went uh, to Southern Raceway with my brothers and watched his 604 crate motor catch on fire. So that was a first seeing a, a one of our family members <laughs> on fire. But uh, thankfully, the, the track crew there got it put out very quickly. But other than that, all is well down here in Florida. Thanks for asking, Kevin. Uh, Robert, uh, <laughs> speaking of, of races and going racing, I know you go to Duck River a lot. And unfortunately, this weekend, I believe the second of their two big races this year for the second time has been postponed or canceled. Kind of, kind of bummed about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, uh, they've got a couple of races there they're supposed to have. And, you know, with the, the Lucas stuff, uh, close at Talladega and stuff, I think they just decided that, uh, that they'd rather not step on toes and, and try to find a better date for that. So, uh, kudos to those guys for trying to at least work something out and not pull cars in different directions. So. Right, and that was our weekend editor, Robert Holman. He brings up a good point with all the just a ton of races scheduled, pulling drivers in different directions and perhaps providing for some thinner fields. So talk about that in a little bit. But first, uh, we have a lot to discuss after another busy weekend of racing that saw seven different drivers score five-figure victories. And that's even after two 10,000-to-win shows were rained out. I'd like to start by us each maybe saying uh, which of those winners or which of those events stood out uh, most to us from the past weekend. Todd, I'll, I'll start with you. Which of the big winners over the weekend stood out most to you? I guess Garrett Albertson up at LaSalle, just mostly because he's kind of a new new to the, you know, it was his richest victory. So he's kind of new to that uh, level of, of wins and, and really pretty, pretty big deal beating Brian Shirley there. Brian Shirley's very good and he had that outside pass and went around him and, and Garrett and those guys, you know, Jeremiah Hurst and him are teammates with the Roberts Motorsports bunch, a uh, good bunch of guys and, you know, really have had a lot of success the last couple of seasons. And this uh, could pretend maybe even more for, for Garrett and Jeremiah. Garrett's just a, a good guy. You know, I've, I've kind of kept track of him, you know, when he was, kind of just getting on the scene out there out west in New Mexico. And then we go out and see him uh, the very first time he went to the Wild West shootout. You know, kind of a young, fresh-faced kid 
back then who probably didn't belong in that field, but, uh, but he's, uh, you know, he's made his way in the sport. Uh, of course, spending time, a lot of time crew chiefing uh, for Earl Pearson and those guys. Now back to racing uh, some and are racing more with the, the Roberts bunch. So uh, uh, good for Garrett. So I, I, I saw that one as uh, the one that jumped out at me. So uh, congrats to those guys. Yeah, definitely uh, a good one to mention there. Garrett, Garrett Alverson is a guy that's kind of bounced around a little bit, and uh, but he seems to have, have landed in a good spot with uh, with that team, and it's good to see him uh, having success. Kevin, what do you what do you got? What stood out to you? I do want to just add a little bit there to what Ty was saying about Garrett Alverson and the Roberts Motorsports team. Uh, really good to see them win that. I mean, that's a I, I, one of the best interviews I think I most fun interviews I had last year doing stories. Uh, column stuff was with Ken Roberts, the owner of Roberts Motorsports. And I mean, just a, a great guy talking to him, very interesting, you know, has a little bit different background stuff, but he's been in racing so long with his father, kind of keeping that legacy going on with that team and, and to have a two driver team and, and to win a big race like that. It's a, uh, uh, I mean, you don't get many chances to win $12,000 uh, when you're not on a national tour or anything. So uh, I, I thought that was uh, when, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I saw Garrett hugging the, uh, Ken Roberts and Victory Lane in the pictures and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. But um, uh, one that one thing that really stuck out to me this weekend also was uh, Mississippi Thunder Speedway, the World of Outlaws, having two nights there. And uh, I, I I mentioned it in Fast Talk too. I I thought that was like the best kind of event of that you could have right there. It was a two division show. You know, the track is a, it looked like a good racetrack. I mean, it looked like a nice black dirt racetrack up there in the upper Midwest and. Uh, but that, that two divisions, there, were, there wasn't, you did never were waiting for super late models to be on that racetrack. I mean, they came out there and, and they did their thing and then they had another division and they're back and forth. It, it was no real downtime. They had time to, to go work on the racetrack before the feature uh, for the late models without having, without it being late, without having uh, everybody kind of like, really, come on, we let's get going, let's get going. I mean, still finished the races a little bit after nine o'clock both nights. And the races were very entertaining. I mean, the track was, it wasn't worn out. I mean, there was no rubbering up in those races. So uh, I was I was very impressed. And, and Brandon Shepard, of course, won on Friday, uh, which was, we were expecting that to finally happen. And then Saturday, Chris Madden wins. Uh, 22,500. And we talk a little bit about like, can Chris Madden stick with uh, Brandon Shepard in the points? And he's 60 points behind, but he could be in the point lead. It's, it's really incredible right now. Like that, it, it's that a guy is following the tour that basically gave up two races early in the year. He didn't qualify for the last race in January evolution, didn't qualify for the first one. And he hadn't declared his intention to run the world of outlaw series. So he didn't have an emergency provisional to get in the race. If he just would have been in those races, uh, he would have had enough extra points to be in the point lead. So it, it bears watching here. Can he make that up? I mean, he's already, he's already closer than anybody's been at this point in the year uh, to Brandon Shepard uh, the last couple of years. And, and I, I think Madden's a guy with the confidence that thinks he can make that up. So it's uh, I, I'm watching what's happening with, with Chris Madden this year. You know, that's, that's interesting to me. You bring up that point uh, with Madden not starting those two features down at Volusion. And it, maybe this is another topic, of, you know, for later discussion. But I, I just wonder, it's not like they weren't passing those provisionals out like candy down there. How, right. what, what, what do you have to do? I mean, did he not think he was going to run the series at that point? I mean, what did what step did he not take to be able to get those provisionals and be one of at one point eight different drivers or something getting a provisional one night? 
Right, right. He didn't seem like he was going to run it at that point. Uh, he kind of just was like, ah, oh, well, I, I don't know if like if it's like maybe he did has has that dry dean money and uh for the you know sponsorship and maybe they wanted maybe they they enticed him to do it a little bit more. But uh, I know that he just kind of decided after you know, like he went to Cherokee the next race and uh, and it's, it's in his backyard and some of these other in Smoky Mountain he won. It's kind of weirder. That's a weirder path to run in the series uh, when you when you miss a couple at the beginning that's for sure yeah we'll have to see if that comes back to to bite him or to haunt him there when it all everything shakes out at the end of the year and see see if he loses by within that window of what he would have had from starting those races but so far he's looking pretty good uh robert what do you have what what stood out to you from the weekend uh probably right here in my my backyard uh smoky mountain a few hours away from home Jimmy Owens finally getting a win against a full field of cars. Uh, it's his first of the year, I believe. Uh, and I know that he was, uh, even in victory lane, you know, he himself couldn't remember when he, the last time I guess that he had ran really well. So to see Owens, in fact, you know, if you think about it, to see Owens and Shepard, a lot of these guys are just now getting their first wins. And it's really kind of a, a weird year when you see like Davenport is dominated and you see you not really expected him to be the one to dominate things this year. And especially after last year. And then, so to see Owens finally get uh, a win, uh, I guess was, was pretty good up here in Tennessee. He didn't just win the race either. He dominated it. It was, uh, I think he lapped up to the fourth place car uh, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like it was a shabby field either. I think they had about 30, 27 cars, maybe. He outran Brandon Overton, McDowell, Mike Marler, Donald McIntosh finished fifth, and I think wasn't even on the lead lap. Hudson O'Neill was there. Jensen Ford, who had just won a big race at Smoky Mountain uh, like last month. You know, he outran a really good field of cars, and I know that Jimmy was glad to finally get that monkey off of his back, and maybe he can get things rolling in the, in the right direction. For me, one that, that stood out because actually because I was watching it live uh, as it was happening, but that was Devin Moran's win uh, with the Ironman North Series at Atomic. The way the results shook out, he lapped up to fourth, uh, but then the fourth place car actually didn't finish the last lap. Tyler Herb, he uh, got off the back on the last lap. But uh, so he lapped nearly the whole field and won by, I think, seven and a half seconds or like that or something like that. But in, in actuality, it was a much closer race for much of it with Josh Rice pressuring him uh, really throughout the middle stages. And I would say it looked like he was uh, had a better car and uh, twice passed uh, Moran uh, kind of in a, in a battle that was reminiscent of a week ago at Florence with Hudson O'Neill. Uh, but then I think it was uh, 12 or 15 to go, somewhere in that neighborhood. Rice got into turn three a little too hot and got into the wall and ended his run there and kind of handed, I don't say handed Moran the victory because who knows, they were battling back and forth. Moran could have came back and got it. But Moran had just missed, uh, messed up pretty big um, there getting into three. And then, of course, Rice had his his mishap uh, that cleared the way for Moran to, to win big. Another big win for Moran. I think I was looking um, while I was putting together the top 25, the comments for that. And I was looking. He's won $70,004 uh, in first place winnings uh, this year, which is best season, I believe, was 2018. Uh, he won something like 65000 So he's already uh, well or ahead of that, really still early in the year here. And speaking of being on a good pace for earlier in the year, Jonathan Davenport picked up two more wins at, in the uh, Comp Can, Cam's doubleheader out at Batesville Motor Speedway, 5,000 on Friday and 12,000 on Saturday. He's now sitting at 12 wins in 34 races this year, including seven wins 
in 10 races over the past month. Uh, right now on his schedule, he has 10 more races planned for the month of May. I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, maybe do some predictions here, but how many wins do you guys think he will end up with by the end of the month? Todd, what do you think? I mean, I guess he's even money to win half of them, right? I mean, right. you know, it's, uh, I will say there that, that, that finale at Batesville, Brian Rickman gave him all he wanted there at the end, which was kind of, kind of a surprise. I think, you know, once he got out front, everybody thought, oh, well, he's just gonna, you know, with those guys. And of course he swept the weekend, but, but they made him work for it a little bit. So, you know, I, I don't know, JD, we'll, we'll see. He's, he's definitely got it going on compared to last year. I mean, last year he just, you know, running the, back in the pack a lot. So uh, uh, I think five out of 10 is a, a fair number. It's a safe bet. So that would put him at, uh, that would put him at 17 wins going into the, the dream on the year. That would be quite impressive. Kevin, what do you think? I think it's terrible at Eldora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. he, he, he's got a good, right. And what he's won, like now he's won what four of his last five races. He's won, Five of his last six or seven. I mean, he he's on some heck of a roll here right now, and uh, um, I, I think five out of ten would be a good uh, a good just like Todd said. But I'll, I'll just I'll get one low. I'll go four out of ten. I mean, he's gonna have to have some guys uh, get going. But I will say, uh, I, I say he wins the Show Me 100 though. How about that? He's gonna cap the month with the Show Me 100 win. Uh, the way he's going, uh, the way he's picking up big money wins. I feel one of those, like, you know, it, it could be one of those special times when he wins a bunch of the big money wins. And There you go. He's calling it, calling it early. What do you think, Robert? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I think four is, is a pretty reasonable number to win. You know, looking at those 10 races, those aren't necessarily Jonathan Davenport tracks. You know, of course, you know, Wheatland, he could go. What if he goes out there and wins twice out there? Then all of a sudden, the odds get a little more in his favor, obviously, with those earlier races, you know. But, uh, you know, you have Talladega and 411 and Marshalltown then 300. He could win at 34 Raceway easily. I'm not sure about Tri-City, if that's his kind of racetrack or not. I don't really know, but uh, he could probably win there. I mean, he could win anywhere, right? I mean, is there a place he can't <laughs> win at right now, I guess? Uh, but, you know... I think four is a good is a good safe number. He could he could win two at Wheatland for sure, and then you know if he picks up two before he gets there, there's there's four. So I think he could do that for sure. Yeah, like I said, he's got seven in his last ten by my count right now. But of course, the next ten, a uh, little maybe different competition. Seven of those are Lucas Oil races, uh, three are uh, Castrol Flow Racing Series races. So it might be a little stiffer competition. He's run, a couple of his wins lately have come in some you know regional series with Southern All Stars and Comp Cams. But definitely be interesting to watch. I think uh, I would say four or five is a safe safe bet, uh, conservative bet maybe, I don't know, uh, for him to have with the rest of the month. So we will certainly keep an eye on it, I'm sure, and be talking about it. One thing that stood out to me this past weekend uh, was the way weather factored into Saturday's feature at LaSalle. And uh, Todd, you mentioned the LaSalle feature with Garrett Alverson winning. Um, it was kind of an interesting the way weather uh, forced track officials with to rush the program along uh, and attempt to beat the approaching rain. And even with that, the second half of the race was was run among uh, light showers pretty much the whole time. Of course, they were able to get the show in and Alverson won the race, but it brought up an interesting question to me. You know, we all know that weather is a big part of racing and can make for some interesting nights at the races. I'm curious what memorable weather situations you guys have experienced while at a racetrack. Uh, Robert, do you have any crazy weather-related racing stories you can share? Probably the, the strangest 
weather related story, I guess, you know, short of just rain or snow. And we've all, we've all had those kind of nights, but, uh, at, um, Volusia, I want to say this was in 2001, we get there and it's just the fog. It is, I don't know if it rained early in the day or what, but it just got so foggy that the fog, the water, I think I even took a picture. I have it somewhere that water was dripping off the, off the fence. That's how wet it was. And it, it was like rain, except it was just, it was just such a heavy fog. And that, that's the first time that I, and they had to cancel everything. And we came back the next day and ran double features. Uh, I can't remember even who won them, but I just remember that night that, you know, I'm, I'm at the track and, and you're like, what's, what are we going to do? And, and you, the drivers couldn't see. And we've been in those fog situations too before. And I've, I've been at tracks where they have gone out and, and it's just been so foggy that, um, that their shields get covered and they have to come in and just go through tear off and tear off and tear off. And then they still try to compete and then like, well, we can't do this. But this night at, at uh, Volusia, it was completely impossible to race. And, uh, we came back and ran doubles the next day. What, what really stood out is the precipitation dripping off the fence to me and then just, just drop big drops like raindrops. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what stood out. Now I will say that back when I used to help, um, my stepdad race and stuff, there's, there's nothing wrong with a good rain out. As long as it comes early in the night, you try to get, uh, try to get back to the club or you try to get back to the bar, you try to get somewhere, you know, as long as they call it early enough, uh, there used to be this place in Huntsville that, uh, that me and Bill Mahan would frequent, uh, and if we could get a rain out earlier in the night, you know that we were back there uh, as quick as we could get there. So that's, there's nothing wrong with a good rain out occasionally. As far as me personally, that, that fog at Volusia was, that probably, probably takes the cake. Yeah, there's, there's nothing worse than uh, sitting at a track late into the night uh, and sitting through rain delays and then not getting it in and still leaving the track late at night. <laughs> uh, exactly. That's one of my exactly. Pet Todd, you got any interesting stories? Quite a few I can think of. I mean, one of them is Volusia. I remember, I mean, this is maybe in the, I don't know, sometime in the 90s, I guess. It was it was one of those nights it was freezing cold during speed weeks. This is at the at the old 3.8 mile track, which was at some point the new track. Not not the track they race at now, but uh, it, just, it just went all into the night. And I remember going out to my car to leave, and I had to scrape ice off the windshield. And I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, you know, it, it, you can imagine how cold it was. Uh, and then another cold one I remember. Um, you know, cold seems to strike me more than rain. Rain, I, you know, you can maybe tend to avoid that. But the, but the cold, I remember in, at Clarksville in 2007, Ray Cook run one of those uh, Southern Regional Racing Series events, uh, 10,000 win when it was snowing. And I'm in the infield taking pictures and the snow around me. And it's just like. Uh, your hands are freezing so during the cautions you just bundle up and try to stay warm uh, the rain one that i remember most uh and, and things are different today you know every now today everybody's like on their phone and like oh it's gonna rain in three hours and 23 minutes you know and you yeah everybody's <laughs> watching it and like LaSalle, you know you can beat it and that's great Back in the day, you know, I remember a brown sound for a Jackson 100, maybe in the, this might have been the late 80s. It was drizzling all day. And I lived in Louisville, which is about 45 minutes away. And I'm just like, there's no way they're going to race because it's just drizzling all day. But it's, you know, back in that day, instead of checking your phone or, or checking the track website or wherever, you would call the track number, which is always so enjoyable. Because most of the time it would be busy because uh, they would take it off the hook because they didn't want to answer it. Or they would answer it and lie and tell you it wasn't raining so i'm like what 
well, what's, you know, what should I do? And so I go up to the track. It rains on me all the way up there. It's literally raining at the track. It sounds a lot like LaSalle. Uh, but indeed, they are racing. The place is packed. Everybody's there. So I get out and go in my car. And indeed, it, it continues to kind of uh, drizzle throughout the night. But they get the show in. So, you know, it's cra- crazy. The weather uh, can always throw you for a loop. Just what Todd said about them not uh, uh, not telling you the truth about it, rainy or not at the track, is kind of funny. I was at the old Atomic Speedway in Tennessee one time sitting at the pit gate and it is coming a monsoon i mean it is like i feel like my car is about to be blown away and i call the track from my phone and they tell me that it isn't raining there they literally (laughs) said it's it's not raining and and i just didn't even know what to say i'm like oh oh Okay. And I'm like, I was wondering if I called the wrong number because I mean, it was coming. I mean, it was coming a monsoon. Needless to say, they did not get the race in that day, but, uh, but I was there to, to witness them tell me that it was not raining and it was, and it was coming a gully washer for sure. I won't name any any names or track names, but I've been sitting in a press box at a track and listen to a track owner answer the phone and say, "Yeah, it rained a drop all day," as it's rain storming uh, out uh you know out the window of the press box. But uh, Kevin, what you got any crazy uh, weather related stories? Well, yeah, this brings back lots of memories. I mean, <clears throat> I know, like I, I've always thought about like when we're sitting in rain delays, I'm like, how many <laughs> how many hours have we wasted at racetracks sitting in rain delays over the last uh, you know several decades and Todd had mentioned one thing, you know, about like how, hey, we didn't, back in the day, you weren't be able to, couldn't just look at your phone and say, hey, there's rain coming. And, and this one brings up a, a race, a, a big block modified race in 1990 at Rolling Wheels. Uh, you know, it was a second year writing, 17 year old me. And I just remember this too, because someone, I, I saw a video of this not too long ago on Facebook. It's at Rolling Wheels, 100 lapper that I think was the July 4th race or something. You knew there was rain coming. I mean, there was lightning all over the place, but they're trying to get this race in the middle of the race. All of a sudden, you see this dust just start kicking up in the infield. It's blowing all over the place. And then the wind, the storm hits in the race. It blew a car off the racetrack, one guy said. I could feel the car, my car get blown off the track. And the wind came from behind the grandstands. So, and it was, uh, you know, kind of, they were all, the bleachers are there, so there's nothing like blocking it. And the wind just blows up. I mean, these giant gusts. And then you just see aftermath of this. You just saw all the garbage was piled up against the catch fence because it just blew it all from underneath the grandstand. The, the video I've seen of this, there's people like wandering around trying to get away from it. It was, it was crazy. It was, it was just a wild scene. And, and um, that was in New York. I, I guess a lot of these things I've seen, are, they're all New York things. I mean, I went to races in New York for big blocks a lot, but some crazy weather, I guess, up there. But I, I've been to Syracuse for the Super Dirt Week. And when I would wake up in the morning and there was like two inches of snow on my car. And then a few hours later, it's sunny and they're running the 200. And another year during the 200, I think every single possible type of weather happened during it. In the middle of the race, there was some sort of snow squall with giant wind coming in uh, the Troyer engineering tent in the infield got blown up in the air. It was flying up in the air and there was a big modified. They had like a mod, like a, a whole, like a, a whole chassis. Like they had it on display. The thing got blown with flipped through the infield, um, ended up upside down, just crazy. And, <laughs> and, and then the, and, and there's one more, I just always remember. It, it reminds me of the, uh, 
the Heat Five at the Dream a few years ago, uh, when everybody kind of crashed into the wall, you know, like they're all just sliding. And this was even a worse crash that I saw because of rain. It was it was at Fonda Speedway in New York. I remember it was in the 90s, about mid-90s sometime. I'm standing in the infield watching the race, uh, the heat race. It was a heat race. And you knew it was coming. It was, again, it was all black in the sky. And and I felt like I'm in, inside of turn one. I felt rain coming down. So I just turned. I'm like, oh, they've they got the yellow out, you know, already. So I just turned and went on to ran to go underneath a little building in the infield. And then when I turned around, the entire heat race field had crashed in turn one. Billy Decker, you know, big, he's run a late model before. He had flipped three or four times. Well, another guy had hit the butt end of a wall, took his whole friend end off. I mean, it, the entire field was crashed in turn one. It hadn't even started raining in turn four yet. And I'm like, I just turned around and I, this, the biggest crash of the year just happened. I missed it all. But, uh, <laughs> but I just, I'll, I'll never forget that because of the way it happened. A lot of crazy weather like that. A lot of the Midwest things have happened now because I've, I've had threats of the tornadoes all the time. I'm always worried about that going to Midwest races in the in the summer. But those ones in New York have been always crazy. That's for sure. Sounds like New York's <laughs> weather may be crazier than Florida's from uh, from your story. I know there, a lot Kevin. of stuff going on up there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll say the the craziest weather situation for me. I think it was a 2013 Bama Bash at the old Green Valley Speedway. What uh, what I call the snow globe race, um, because uh, they ran the race in snow. Like it was like you were in it, and I'm a Floridian, so when I say snow, you know, I, I've seen snow like three times in my life. But but so, but to me, it was snowing. There was snow in the air, for, whirling around, and like you could hold your hand out, and snow would would land on it. And uh, and to me, it was crazy that the cars were also on the track. They still ran the race with the snow, and I think Steve Casebolt led the whole thing. They had a caution. I went back and looked this up, a lap 61 caution, and he had a, a tire go flat. His right rear went down under caution, and then the snow picked up. So he – and it ended up – they had to call the race because it got where it was actually landing on the track and caught making it wet. But uh, I, I do remember writing the story for that, and I was uh, – I think my story was something along the lines. He was singing Winter Wonderland as he was out cruising, winning the – winning the you know, dominating the race. And then when the caution came out and he had a flat tire, he was singing Let It Snow, Let It Snow. And, but uh, – to me, being a Floridian and not ever being around snow very much and then watching these guys race with snow flurries in the air was uh, is something I'll, I'll never forget. Anyway, so that's some interesting stories. Um, hopefully, <laughs> you, and you, got, you all enjoyed hearing those. I certainly did. But we will certainly hope that the weather doesn't play uh, a major role this week because we have another full schedule uh, that should provide for some good racing and interesting storylines. Just looking at the slate we have this, this week, uh, we'll start things by mentioning – uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, we're recording on Tuesday, but if you're listening on Wednesday tonight, the uh, Castro Flow Racing Night in America uh, heads to Brownstown Speedway for uh, his first visit there. Is a, a stout list of drivers. Uh, I think Brandon Shepard's planning on being uh, at the, with the series for the first time. Kyle Larson uh, is going to be back in the Rumley ride, and Davenport uh, leading the points, and Devin Moran right there with him. Should be an interesting race. Uh, for the weekend, you have the Lucas Oil Series. Headed to 411 Motor Speedway in Tennessee and then down to Talladega Short Track. Uh, the Mars Series is at Farmer City uh, and Fairbury. 10000 to win Friday there at Farmer City and 15000 at Fairbury on Saturday. And another big one on the weekend, a single day 20000 to win show. The Ultimate Southeast Series is headed to Virginia Motor Speedway for the King of the Commonwealth. Any of that stand out to you guys is particularly interesting to watch. Robert, anything you got your eye on? Uh, well, you know, I'll stick close to home again, uh, you know, 411 and, and Talladega, of course, with uh, Adam uh, Stewart 
uh, just kind of acquiring this, this track down there. So I know they've put some new dirt on the track and, and they've, they've really uh, working hard. And I think they've got some, some gravel they've spread in the pits and they're really working hard at Talladega short track to try to uh, spruce that place up and, and welcome the Lucas tour down there. So I'll definitely have my eye on those two events, you know, 411 on Friday night and then Talladega on Saturday night. So, you know, those are going to be two, two excellent races to, to keep your eye on, I think. Uh, and, and I think it'll also help. We'll see how the, the points are going to, you know, shape up a little bit more too with these, with these guys. You know, I don't think that we're, I don't think we've got a decisive points guy just yet, you know, who can get out there and lead this whole thing and start to finish in terms of the year I'm talking about from start to finish and, and win this championship. So I think that, uh, I think that these two races could, uh, could help us maybe see where we're at points wise as well. Yeah. And a side note on that one, Jimmy Owens swept this uh, weekend last year, the uh, 411 Talladega doubleheader. So it'll be interesting to see if he can parlay his uh, first win of the year uh, last weekend uh, into some Lucas Oil Series success at two tracks. He's obviously knows how to win at. Kevin, anything you got your eye on? Uh, well, I'm going to Virginia Motor Speedway this weekend for that King of the uh, Commonwealth 20,000 to win race. And the, Virginia Motor is always a place where I I've gone there a long time. It, like it was weird last year not going to Virginia Motor. It's a track, it's only, you know, four, four and a half hours from me, so it's not that far. But uh, I started going there at least once a year back when I wrote for Ari Auto. Um, I would cover a couple late model, a few late model races a year, and and that's one of the first tracks that I kind of annually went to. And so uh, I, I kind of go back there 20 years almost now uh, of attending races and sort of a you know a, a traditional most I, I make that drive down it's a kind of a crappy drive because i have to go through baltimore and washington dc area and even on a saturday it takes me forever to get through there because there's always traffic there but it, last year i kind of missed it i'd like i hadn't been there i didn't get to go down there last year because they didn't even race or they didn't even run a race last year they uh bill sawyer just decided we're not even we're not running without fans or anything so uh shut the place down for the year and now they're back and and i think the weather i looked at so far looks like it's good they usually are that, that's a place that seems like they get a lot of bad luck with weather over the years uh, for their big shows but uh, it does look like it's pretty good so far from what i'd seen uh, unless things change so uh, i'm looking forward to going down there and I, it should be a interesting field so it's it's more of this is more of a race where like that regional guy could win although i'm sure brandon overton will really runs good at virginia motor and I'd imagine he'd be looking at that for for this weekend, uh, uh, so uh, he'll he'll be tough to beat. But it is a place where, uh, like, I, we might see a guy that's never won a twenty thousand dollar win race, like Tyler Bear a few years ago won it. Yeah, that'd be interesting, uh, not only to watch who wins, but to see the the mix of drivers that show up there. Todd, what uh, what you got your eye on? Hey, Kevin, were you at the the Max race that Todd Andrews won at Virginia Motor? I was at a max race there in like 2002 or three or something. I know I went there one year. The first time I tried to go, got rained out. Didn't get to go. We just had, we, we did a trip to Williamsburg instead, but <laughs> in Yorktown and all, but it did rain out. <laughs> so we did history uh, instead yeah. of, uh, instead of the race. But I, I, I don't, I don't think I was at the one that Todd Andrews won. Or else I would have probably seen uh, you in the pit area, right? Yeah. I was just trying to think if we had some connection way back then, that would, make my heart warm we do have the connections from volusia though you know like i always remember yeah. like you know bumping into you in the pit area of volusia so back in the day <laughs> so my race this weekend is uh, uh the 5000 win race at eldora the late model lid lifter which will be the first time late models are racing in front of fans at eldora you know uh, the dream and the world 100 
mega weekends. Uh, that kind of overshadowed the fact there's three other late model races at Eldora this year. So it'll be interesting. I guess Devin Moran's plan, plans on going there. Probably maybe a, a little more than uh, the usual crowd, uh, considering that uh, uh, the ability to race at Eldora was limited last year with those invite-only races. So, uh, yeah, I'll have my on Eldora, which uh, is one of many uh, 5,000 win races. There's quite a few races uh, on the schedule this weekend in that same level. So it'll be fun to see uh, Eldora back in action with uh, fans cheering the late models on. I'm glad you brought that one up, Todd, because I didn't cover that in the uh, the kind of the preview of the weekend, the races I was mentioning. But that's definitely one. It'll be interesting to see uh, see how that goes. But uh, one thing I'll mention, or at least I'll have my on this this uh, this weekend, is I kind of mentioned Brandon Shepard running the uh, Flow Series races, um, and he's going to be doing that or series race, excuse me, and he's going to be doing that in his family-owned B5 rocket as his first race of the year in that car and then he plans according to schedule plans to go back to illinois and run uh, farmer city on friday fairberry on saturday so uh, it'd be interesting to see you know how he's got that first uh, first win out of the way with the rocket house car team you know how he does and back in his family on equipment if he can you know continue that success and i will say it'd be interesting if he does go and have a really good trio of races here i think it'd probably good that he he finally won a race with the rocket team so it doesn't raise any controversy there if he were to not have a win in the rocket house car team and go do really well in his own stuff but anyway that's uh that'll be some interesting storylines to watch this weekend we'll finish up uh this week's discussion with one more trip around what i like to call our virtual roundtable here uh give each giving each of us a chance to mention one more thing that stood out to us from the past week uh, be it a race result or a news item that we haven't discussed todd i'll start with you this week I'm just going to mention this actually a little personal anecdote about uh, Steve G- Steve Caseball, who uh, we previewed for for the the Atomic uh, Castro race a couple weeks ago. He, of course, he didn't make the race, had a rough night, and he he texts and says, "No more preview stories." You know, it all, you know, basically that we that we jinx him, uh, which I get. And then I thought it was funny today. I just listened to the to the Castro preview for Brownstown, and Derek's touting Case Bolt as as a favorite and maybe an upset guy. So, so sorry about that, Steve. Uh, that wasn't me. You'll have to get on Derek about that. But Robert, you may have to answer to Devin Gilpin. You know, you wrote about him for Brownstown, so we'll see how it goes for him. Yeah, I, I I always think about that. I'm like, oh man, I talked to this guy and, and then he's uh ran like crap or he broke something or, or something happened. I'm like, why did he's not ever gonna want to talk to me again, you know? And so yeah, I get that feeling sometimes. Hopefully Devin will have a good night on Wednesday and, and will be willing to speak with me in the future as well. Yeah, I noticed what Ty was mentioning with, with Steve Casebolt the the past not not only that Flow Racing Series race at Atomic, but then this past weekend at Atomic watching it and watching his struggles, and I just I felt bad because I wrote that story on him, so he didn't text me though. So sorry you got uh, a hit with that text there, Todd. I'm gonna jump in with my one more thing because last time I went last and Kevin stole mine, um, but I'm gonna mention uh, Anthony Sanders winning, getting his first Ultimate Series win there at Cherokee Speedway on Saturday. Of course, he was running third on the last lap, and then Chris. Ferguson had a flat tire on the final lap and that kind of paved the way. There's just a little scramble there and, and, and Sanders got by and, and got his first 
first super late model win. I, I confirmed that with him yesterday. And there's one thing that stands out to me is you can say, well, you know, he kind of got lucky. Some things went his way. But I was looking back because I'm actually working on a story on him as kind of a preview for the Ultimate Series at uh, Virginia Motor this week. But uh, he's been improving a lot. I mean, he's, you can even look at the last points uh, battles on the Ultimate. I think he was fourth a couple years ago or, or three years ago, then third, second. And now he's leading the points. Uh, this year on the, on the tour, he's finished no worse than fourth other than uh, one night where he had a broken rear end and had to drive uh, some, someone else's car from the back and still manage to finish finish eighth. So even though, yeah, he kind of got lucky, you could say, for the things go his way to win that race, um, he's put himself in a much better position consistently where when things, you do get a, a lucky break, you can capitalize on it and win the race. Yeah, it was a great move if you if you didn't watch the video, you know, because Bale is his second and really had, he's licking his chops when he sees Ferguson have the flat tire. But uh, Anthony really, he, he picked the outside line and it just opened up for him because Ferguson kind of slowed Bales down. Uh, check out the video if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I have to go check that out. I, I hadn't seen it yet. So, so much to video to watch. Sometimes it's hard to get it all. <laughs> Kevin, what's your uh, one more thing? Uh, how about uh, Friday night at uh, Mississippi Thunder? How about that second place finisher it was Brent Larson, best finish ever with the World of Outlaws. Uh, I mean, he he went he goes by Brandon Shepard to take the lead, and you know, uh, and, and Kyle Strickler right up there. I think he was running with at that point too at the beginning of that race, and and takes the. Uh, it's like, whoa, this is you know, like Larson's always in a lot. Of, I mean, he has taken a lot of provisionals over the last few years running with the World of Outlaws. He's he struggled, you know, and. And, and so I don't think that everybody was considering him to be like a guy that could win this race. So when he takes the lead, it's like he was pulling away from Shepard for a while. And this could be one of the upsets of the year. I mean, one of like a, a feel good story, too, with the, the underdog of the series winning and he ended up, uh, you know, not being able to hold off Shepard, but still got second. I mean, and that was his best finish ever at the top. His fourth place was his only other top five in an outlaw race, but he has very, he has very much improved this year. You've seen it. He finished, I uh, just missed the top five a few weeks ago too. And, and down in Florida uh, during at Volusia, the one night he was running top five in that race. I mean, he, he was on his way to a top five finish in one of the outlaw shows until he got a flat tire. Uh, and I remember seeing him after the race, just getting out of his car and had his head's hands in the, his head in his hands, just sitting on the window, window of his car and, on the roof and you, you could see how disappointing that was after you've run so many races and some come finally come close to a, a really good finish. And so it, it, that had to have been very satisfying for him at Mississippi Thunder, be on the podium for the first time. And, and again, it's a guy that, you know, now you've got to consider him possibly some places. He, he might be able to knock off one now. It's a, it's shown this improvement that he's gone through in the last four years. Yeah, he's definitely improved and had a, a heck of a run there uh, Friday night. At one point, I thought he was going to get the lead back there late in the race. I was watching that one. Uh, then a caution came out, and he wasn't able quite to keep pace there the last little run to the finish. Uh, what about you, Robert? What you got? Uh, I just have to have to give a shout-out to um, Billy Franklin for getting that first regional win with the Mississippi State Championship Challenge Series uh, off, his, off, off his plate there. He won that race down at ECM Speedway, down a, a little track north of Birmingham, I've been down there. It's where, in fact, where my brother got his first super late model win. It's a great little racetrack. They do a great job down there, and and uh, they had a good car count, uh, right at 20. And for Billy Franklin to get that win, it's kind of a feel good win, just because this guy really goes out of his way to help other people um, uh, succeed. You know, with, through his uh, businesses that he has down there in Alabama, 
Uh, you remember he helped Brandon Overton when he needed it. Uh, David Brizel, Ashton Winger. He's put these guys on the road and he's, he's done it really selflessly. Uh, and, and I kind of, I kind of compare him maybe not to the full extent, but I, you know, if you look at it, you know, it kind of reminds me of a, a Johnny Johnson type who threw his J and J steel up there in Iowa helped a bunch of, of really better drivers, uh, succeed and, and do really well out on the road. And, and so anytime Johnny, uh, had success, you know, himself, it was always, uh, uh, made you feel good that he was able to, to enjoy it as well. So to see Billy Franklin get that win, you know, down there. And if you look back at the pictures from that night, man, he's just overjoyed. His crew's overjoyed. And, uh, you know, and, and this guy was the Southern All-Stars champion last year, but, you know, did it without winning a race. He did it through by showing up every week and being consistent and that sort of stuff. Uh, so to see him actually win, wins are important, you know, to, to teams. And, and we all know that it, it really is what keeps you going and it makes you want to go out and do it again. So uh, to see Billy Franklin get this win uh, and get that, you know, check that off his list is really excellent. And uh, hopefully there'll be more out here out there for him. But we need more Billy Franklins like that in our sport that will help drivers and put other drivers in front of themselves. Congratulations to, to him for getting that win. That was, that was really cool. Definitely. He's also, uh, uh, Franklin's also a big supporter of Chris Madden's program right now as well on the, on the outlaws, but it's definitely, uh, I've with my, through my brothers raced uh, against, uh, Billy Franklin a few times, but he's, uh, he's one of the nicest guys in the sport too. Uh, competitors. He's always, uh, fun to be around and, and it's good to see him get a big win. So I believe that'll, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys all for listening, uh, dirt reporters podcast and, uh, we'll be back here again next week, Wednesday morning, with another episode to cover everything uh, from this weekend's races coming up. Have a great week.